This is Horsepower Happening. Tear up the body panel, fine. You know, you can bend those. You could have destroyed the whole race car, if not worse. I don't have any problem racing each other and trading paint and moving people. I mean, that's it's a short track bull ring. This right. is not Daytona. From the MCRP studios in the Motor City. But I do know also one thing. By the time I'm his age, I'll have more than 100 wins, and I promise you that. With Zach Heiser. Fager leads him down on the bottom side of the racetrack. Moyer trying to make something happen on the top shelf. Big run. He'll cross over now down the back straightaway into turn number three. Moyer puts the binders on Fager nearly on the bike. And Rich Frank. Any progress, Zach, that they made on the last stop, they ruined on this one. So now they're really trying to get this thing off the ground. From the Motor City Racing Promotion Studios. Hey, guys, this is Ford Hodge. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion, Rusty Schlink. This is Bobby Santos. This is Travis Stemler. This is Travis Brady. This is Andrew Shai. David Melky. Josh Fry. Ryan And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings. April is here. It is well underway. The weather in the state of Michigan has been beautiful, and it definitely feels like spring, but as we all know, that unfortunately doesn't mean that we're going to be at a racetrack anytime soon. However, plenty of racing-related and motorsports news to bring you. So with that, let's get into it and tell you what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Stan 21 is one of the major companies in the safety industry, driver safety gear specifically. They have put their factory in France to work making surgical masks to help address the shortage amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The Joy Logano Foundation has partnered with Elevation Outreach to establish a COVID-19 response and recovery. The $1 million endeavor will address a variety of needs, including educational equity and access, medical supplies, food distribution, and financial shortages throughout the greater Charlotte, North Carolina area. Formula One teams are open to the idea of finishing the 2020 season in January of next year in order to get in as many races as possible. With no racing even possible until June 14th, the current date of the Canadian GP at the very earliest. F1 is working on a number of different scenarios with the aim of eventually restructuring the calendar to fit in 15 to 18 races. I-37 Speedway in Texas found a way to make it work last weekend. Two divisions, social distancing in the pits, and a virtual driver's meeting. The Speedway south of San Antonio featured factory stocks and limited mods. The Speedway is scheduled still to compete again this Saturday. And a number of area tracks here in the state of Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio have been forced to scrap the first month of their 2020 campaign, including I-96 Speedway, Attica Raceway Park, and Fremont Speedway. Fans, drivers, and officials alike, of course, anxiously await the start of the 2020 season. That and so much more on this week's edition of Horsepower Happenings. You know we have a lot to cover when the Motor City Minute took about two. Zach Heiser, Rich France, uh, continuing the social distancing forum. Good evening, Rich. Uh, welcome in. So uh, utilizing some of the, you know, Zoom meetings and Google Meets have become very popular amid the uh, the COVID-19. And Rich, uh, you and I decided to give it a whirl here tonight. Yep. Seems to be working out real well. Did a little test this afternoon. So uh, I think we can stay with this a while if we have to. Hopefully it doesn't have to be too long. Well, Rich, but, big, uh, uh, big old breaking news earlier before we went on the air today. Yeah. And, and this this is a big deal for on our side of the state over here. Uh, organizers announced today that the 2020 Detroit Grand Prix, originally scheduled for May 29th and 30th at Belle Isle Park, has been canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the past several weeks, organizers have been working with local authorities, the city of Detroit, 
the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, and the Belle Isle Conservancy, along with the racing series uh, competing in the Grand Prix, to try and secure an alternate date for the event. Uh, due to the logistical and scheduling challenges, no suitable dates were available to host the event. And uh, such a bummer, too, because the Detroit Grand Prix, really a marquee event not only for the city uh, and Belle Isle, but also uh, for, obviously, the racing series that are competing in it, too. So uh, it, it's sad to see that one canceled. Yeah, it went through a period where they didn't know if they were going to be able to keep it or not, and then they got it back going. And it's really a popular event in Detroit, uh, really well attended, but uh, it's just unfortunate here for 2020 we're not going to have it. Exciting news out of Formula One, Aston Martin's return has been confirmed after investment from a Lawrence Stroll-led uh, company was approved. The iconic British sports car brand last entered an F1 race back in 1960, but never scored a point in six attempts as a constructor. This week, the shareholders of Aston Martin approved $664 million in fundraising, including $322 million of new capital. That will result in the Canadian billionaire becoming executive chairman of Aston Martin and turn Racing Point into its works team next season. So exciting to have uh, another car brand entering the motorsports world. Absolutely. And Zach, I am really starting to get into this e-racing, <laughs> the thigh racing, uh, especially the e-NASCAR Pro Invitational Series. William Byron uh, picked up uh, the third race of the e-NASCAR Pro Invitational Series yesterday after climbing, after uh, clinching the pole position and leading 116 laps uh, at the very caution-filled uh, virtual Bristol Motor Speedway yesterday. Byron uh, is an i-racing veteran. But his first win of the series came on Sunday. He finished seventh in seventh place last week at the virtual Texas Motor Speedway and didn't finish the first race of the Pro Invitational at Homestead uh, after crashing out. It was just frustrating because we hadn't closed one, closed one yet. Uh, we'd led the most laps, Byron said. So to finally close the deal this week was really awesome. Uh, due to the recent developments and restrictions in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the stay-at-home mandate through June 10th, issued by uh, also issued by Governor uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. This is another story, Zach. Um, the Motor Mile Speedway became the first racetrack uh, to close for the 2020 season. Uh, most events are being canceled, but the uh, Motor Mile Speedway and Motor Mile Dragway will not open. All special events have been canceled as well. Uh, Motor Mile Speedway showcased grassroots NASCAR racing since 1988. In 31 seasons, Motor Mile has crowned 15 different NASCAR late model track champions and has been the home track of two NASCAR weekly racing series uh, national champions on six different occasions. Uh, Motor Mile Speedway becomes the first racetrack in the country to cancel their entire season such a you know such a sad situation uh for motor mile and, and really for the industry to have to do that but uh we understand that that's where they are and uh, at this point maybe that's the correct thing for them to do to just uh, hit the reset button and, and try again in 2021 uh speaking of 2021 2020 kind of depends on how you look at the schedule as to depend on where this race falls but the 23rd annual edition of the rumble in fort wayne will take place on December 18th and 19th. Now, I know what you're thinking, and yes, you're correct. That's one week earlier than normal. That's because Christmas falls on a Friday. 
Rumble owner Larry Boo said he's aware of the conflict moving the event creates. He says, quote, we are aware of the conflicting date with the established St. Louis indoor event and the logistics involved with work and school prior to Christmas, but frankly, it is the best option that we have, end quote. The move-in date will be held on Thursday, December 17th, before two days of indoor racing. And, Zach, this one hits a little bit closer to home. Uh, officials with Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways announced that their 2020 season will be delayed. Uh, a statement on the track's websites read as follows. Due to challenges related to the coronavirus pandemic, including state and federal guidelines and mandates, and most importantly, the health and safety of our race fans, race teams, and race officials, both Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway's 2020 race schedules have been adjusted. All Flat Rock Speedway events scheduled through May 5th and all Toledo Speedway events scheduled through May 21st have been postponed or canceled. Uh, this also means that the Motor City 200, originally scheduled for April 25th, will also be canceled. Officials from Motor City Racing Promotions who were promoting the event made the announcement last week. And uh, just unfortunate with the, the Motor City 200 for our event, uh, you know, when you're working with Champion Racing Association, uh, working with Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways, and, of course, the Motor City Racing Promotion schedule uh, with everything that's going on, plus the normal busy schedule that was already planned, uh, just no suitable date to get that one rescheduled. So uh, we'll scrap it for this year. Hopefully we can revisit it in 2021. Uh, while we're talking about that, Shady Bull Speedway officials have announced that they have rescheduled the April 25th Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks 150-lap four-crown event after the announcement on Sunday by President Donald Trump extending the social distancing guidelines through April 30th to show the coronavirus uh, to slow the coronavirus spread. The event has been rescheduled for Saturday, July 25th. The Shady Bowl Speedway event will now be the third event in the Four Crown mini-series for the Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks. Currently, the Street Stocks 2020 season opening event will be the Casey's General Store uh, Gas CRA Challenge on the high banks of Salem Speedway on Saturday, May 9th. For more information on all the uh, CRA series, be sure to visit CRA-RacingRather.com. Uh, CRA and Zach, Michigan-based One Ethanol has joined the fight uh, against the coronavirus by using their plant to produce reasonably priced bulk spray surface sanitizer and hand sanitizer that can be put to immediate use to help make our community safer again without the price inflation that has recently happened. Their facility is only equipped to package in five-gallon pails or 54-gallon drums, which, which they will put into a pallet freight bulk purchase position. Uh, they are hoping to get this into the hands of airports, public transportation depots, hospitals, schools, stadiums, and anyone else that has a lot of surface to sanitize and a lot of hands to keep clean. Hey, we you know we love to see that though with One Ethanol. Uh, obviously, big supporters of the Michigan Motorsports uh, One Ethanol, Carbon Green Bioenergy, American Ethanol, right? Supporting Merritt and Tri Cities Late Model Challenge. Uh, so really cool to see them be able to step up and and help out with the, the fight against COVID nineteen. Now, Rich, earlier in the show, you said, "Man, I'm getting hooked on iRacing. racing," and then they went to Bristol. And then the whole new can of worms of drama opened up. I don't think we've ever seen this in this sort of fashion. Well, maybe we have, but maybe it hasn't gained this much attention. Rage quitting, uh, Rich. Talk to me. Yeah, well, uh, 
It was, and it was early in the race. You know, uh, you know, we were talking to, uh, you know, some. I, I was talking to some friends, and these guys are. There's such a gap in in the guys that are experienced with the i racing, and then the guys that aren't. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't take you long when you turn turn on this i racing to see who's who. Yeah, uh, on each side of the fence. But uh, you know, Bubba Wallace uh, had an issue on lap 11, I think, yesterday uh, with Clint Boyer, and uh, and Bubba Wallace decided that he had had enough. Uh, Clint Boyer was having some fun. He was. Uh, more like the color guy that's driving and <laughs> yeah. you know and he you know he made the comment that he got bubbed which i uh, like that by the way i think i might have to use that uh you know yeah, in future I, endeavors i kind of thought it was funny too you know it was for humor he he was smiling laughing uh apparently bubba wallace didn't think so he stopped his car on the racetrack and turned his sim off and just walked away you know we have seen this you, you know we have seen this before in the real world, guy gets up into the fence, goes to the garage, and the crew says, hey, we can fix this. Driver's nowhere to be found. He says, nope, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they, they get two free re- they get two resets throughout the course of the race yesterday, and he hadn't even used his first one yet. Wow. He just decided to quit. He was and, over it. And he got up and quit. And really, Zach, it ended up costing him in real life as well. Here's what happened. So, uh, Blue Emu, if mm-hmm. you've ever heard of that. Yep, sure uh, have. They, Big supporters yeah, of NASCAR. Yep, absolutely. And they they now got into sponsoring iRacing, and they sponsored Bubba Wallace yesterday for the iRacing event at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, once they saw what happened and heard what Bubba did, they, uh, they released a tweet saying, good to know where you stand. Bye-bye, Bubba. We are interested in racers not quitters. And so um, not only will Bubba not have a dollar from Blue Emu on any of his iRacing cars, they are pulling their sponsorship from the 43 Richard Petty Motorsports team. So now when I had read this article earlier, there was still some question as to whether or not it was going to actually affect his real-life car. And, uh, you know, I think the problem was, and this has been Bubba's problem for the last couple of years, is his attitude got the best of him. You're sponsored by a headache relief company, Blue Emu, okay? You have to show some patience <laughs> on the exactly. racetrack. And this, and this is not, if you remember, this is not the first time Bubba Wallace has made it on Here's the Deal. Right. Uh, you know, back last year in 2019, uh, he had a problem with Alec, Alex Bowman. Um, Alex Bowman was getting medical attention sitting next to his car after a race. And Bubba Wallace decided to throw a bottle of water on him while he was receiving medical attention after the race. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question is, I don't know who Bubba Wallace really thinks he is. Um, this gentleman has not won a race in the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series. And so I don't know why he thinks he can put himself on a pedestal. But um, I think he better watch out or he, he might find himself back in. Uh, at a short track local quarter mile somewhere. Well, and here's the other thing too, Rich. Uh, you have to remember this is actually his third time uh, on our Here's the Deal segment because uh, he backed himself into a corner in admitting that he had uh, intentionally spun his car out, uh, I believe, uh, at Texas uh, last year as well. So, you know, it, it, he's got he's to gotta watch what he's doing if he wants to continue to be in the Cup Series. I don't know with so many young guys ready to take his place – how long he'll be able to last. 
how many guys are really working hard trying to move up in that series. There's guys that uh, that probably there aren't enough teams for the drivers that want it, that that are probably qualified uh, to be up in the Cup Series. But uh, if he keeps this up, he's going to work his way right out of a ride. He's sure not showing any talent, that's for sure. Uh, he's not winning. Um, so it's not going to be a big loss for Richard Petty Motorsports, to, in my opinion. Um, he hasn't won race. He hasn't won a race since, he, you know, he's in the truck series. I think in the truck series, he's got six wins. And ever since he's moved past that, he hasn't been able to win a race. So um, we'll have to see. I know I do know that I, I did read a statement uh, from Richard Petty Motorsports that they were not going to invoice Blue Emu uh, for their sponsorship <laughs> for the Eve. For the Bristol race yesterday, that's awfully nice of them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I don't know how far that would have gone if they would have sent out an invoice. Um, but we'll have to see. But uh, right now, uh, Bubba Wallace is now not even scoring points with sponsors, and that's a bad thing. That's a bad problem. It's a bad situation to be in. So, uh, hey, we got to take a break. Uh, you know, that's a crazy story in the, in the world of racing. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who's probably got 100 crazier stories than that. Uh, the one and only Gary Lindahl coming up after the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, race fans. This is Scott Menlin, president of Motor City Racing Promotions. I'd just like to take a moment to thank everyone in our strong racing community, those who are doing our part, staying apart. Practicing social distancing is essential to our success in the fight against the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. I must especially thank our amazing healthcare providers and first responders, some of which are members of our incredible MCRP safety team who are out on the front line, around the clock, serving our community. Stay safe, race fans. We'll see you at a track soon. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at SuspensionMax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. The call sounds from race control. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion safety team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. This is Tyler Roark, three-time Kalamazoo class champion, and you're listening to Horsepower Happy. Welcome back to Horsepower Happening. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you. Time for our first guest of the evening, Rich, and it just so happens, kind of turns out... 
that uh, you know our first guest on the evening uh, pretty well. Yeah, I sure do, Zach. And uh, I can't believe, uh, you know, we were talking a little while ago, first time we had him on the show since I joined you. So that's mm. uh, th- th- that's different for tonight. Uh, he uh, originally made his home in Jackson, Michigan, now out of Toledo. And he is, I don't care what anybody says, he is the voice of Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway. Uh, I'm so privileged to work with this gentleman. He was a 2004 inductee into the Michigan Motorsports Racing Hall of Fame. Gary Lindahl, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, it's good to be with you guys. I tell you, I hadn't realized, I know I've been on with Zach before, but I hadn't realized that I hadn't been uh, with you, Rich. And uh, yeah, that's I know, been happening. I know, we talked about, I know we talked about it, and we talked about it. I don't know why we never made it happen. Well, like you said, uh, you were asking us how we were doing. We're down here in, uh, you know, still in Florida. We're coming back April 30th. And right now I'm on a balcony, and you told me to have a bud like oh, I am looking at the golf back. So. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> now, I, on that, you know, yeah, I know you guys are still down in Florida, and, and I got out of there before, right before this whole thing happened. Um, how are you guys actually doing, and what's it like down there right now? Well, it's basically the same as it is in uh, Michigan or Ohio. I mean, everybody's doing really good. There's probably maybe uh, – we're allowed because we're in a private condo, so we're allowed to go on the beach and walk the beach, but everything else – is uh, basically shut down. I mean, there's no private, or there's no public beaches access that are open or anything. And you go to the store and you go back. That's pretty much well it. Yeah. Now we've we've um, you know we've had plenty of talks about rate bench racing um, over a a can or two. But uh, Gary, you know, we haven't really had a whole lot of problems with racing since about 2008, 2009. Um, you know, trying to get, we, we're just starting to get our sport back, and then this happens. Can our sport handle this uh, at this time? Well, you know, I'm not quite sure. This season, you may as well, uh, 2020, I believe you may as well just discount it as an aberration. If anybody remembers, you go back into the 70s when we had the oil embargo, and actually they wanted to get rid of auto racing back in those days when we had the problem with gas lines and everything like that. That's the only thing that I have anything remotely uh, experienced in, in my day. But other than that, this is incredible. A lot I mean, of unbelievable. A lot of people, Gary, are comparing this to some 19 years ago, uh, which is hard to compare it to talking about 9/11, of course, because that happened right at the end of our racing season, not at the beginning like this. Um, you know, you're you're the first one to compare it to the embargo uh, and that sort of situation. How did, how did that, for maybe people who didn't get a chance to live through it like me or people who may have forgotten it, how did that affect the sport and, and being able to come out of that situation? Well, you know, first of all, until they got the, the world straightened out and we got oil again, um, you know, there were long gas lines and everything, and I was a salesman on the road, so it was pretty difficult to uh, try to have a uh, sales, uh, sales accounts and get into the places, even though I was around the Jackson area. And, uh, and auto racing was one of the things. They felt it was uh, basically a non-essential thing to do as a sport at that time. And what, is, what, is, what are race cars? Right. They fuel. Yeah. So that's kind of the way that went. So, but it really took until the time that the, uh, the embargo came uh, back to where we had fuel and we had gas and everything that was plentiful again before they quit talking about stopping racing altogether. 
you know, it's it's such a tough situation for us to be in. Uh, you know, as we we heard in the uh, PSAs that we ran here, you know, we all want to get back to the racetrack as quick as we can, but you know, we accompany that with uh, knowing what we have to do according to the CDC. And uh, you know, Gary, this is just such a an interesting spot that we're all in right now. There's a lot of race cars in the garages ready to go. There's been a lot of improvements made to racetracks throughout the off season. And now we're just at a grinding halt. What what are you doing to pass the times as a former Mark Times uh, publicator? What what sort of things are you doing to to, to maintain this off season as it stretches out? Well, pass along a lot of jokes on Facebook, and I'm sure you've seen a few of them. Sure. And I know Rich has, and uh, some of the memories a little bit. My problem is I'm not home. Mm. You know, so I could post a wealth of stuff. Uh, you know, from the Mark Times race news back from 1965 on. You know, until I started writing for him at 75, and, you know, I, I even thought about, oh, you know, maybe if I get home and get digging, I might have a couple of columns or dig up some of the old quiz questions and pop them on there again. But, like I say, right now I'm not home, and I got a lot of photo albums at home that I could probably share from old super modified days from way back when. I, I know where there's a website, Gary. They they happen to own a, uh, a podcast uh, airs on Monday nights. I'm sure they would let you, uh, you know, use them as a platform to do some publicating if you'd like when, when you get home. <laughs> well, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine. But uh, so it, it's going to be interesting. And I, I heard uh, the interview with Scott Schultz. Scott and I have been around together. Uh, actually working together for, you know, it's probably closing in on a, about 40 years now. And, uh, you know, I just feel for all the uh, promoters that are doing things these days, you really can't prepare for anything. You've done all your homework, you did everything, and then bang, you know, in March, everything shuts down. So all that preparation. Hey, we were looking just forward to some things, just like Cam Trader on his bucket and coming to Toledo Speedway and running a school bus. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, Gary, uh, you you walked us right into it into my next question, and we didn't we didn't feed him these ans- with these questions ahead of time, so this is kind of ironic. Uh, about your column that you did in the Mark Times uh, years ago, and those quizzes that you came out with, and I noticed you started doing that on Facebook a little bit, playing around with every week or two or something, uh, doing some of those quizzes. How did you first come up with that idea? Because that's probably one of the things uh, that people know you most for. Well, here's here's what happened. The Mark Times and I enjoyed a lot of columnists that uh, had had wrote for the Mark Times through those years. I started in '75. Nobody was really doing what I would consider a history column, so I decided this when I sent the thing into Dick Pat Beebe. I sent him a column as a sample, never knowing that they were going to publish it. And then it was like their Christmas edition, and all of a sudden, here I am, did show column, <laughs> and they never contacted me, never called me. Never said anything. And then at, uh, I believe it was 76 or whatever I go, and I did this on a whim. It was going to be a one-time only thing. So I thought, well, that'd be fun to put a, maybe put a quiz in, do something different because I was writing about history. So I put that first quiz in, and I'd have to go dig it up to see what those questions were, and maybe that'd be a good thing to pop back on there again. I did that one time, but I didn't put the answers in. I waited till the next week to put the answers in. So what happened was, you know, they got such a response on that quiz that uh, they decided, uh, you know, maybe you ought to do that more than once, and that's how it transformed into one of those deals where it became an, uh, a weekly thing. And then Dick Beebe got mad 
one time and told Pat, he goes, you know, that SOB, he should put a doggone ant every week. And Pat <laughs> looked at him and said, guess what, Dick? They have to buy next week's to find out the answers. Exactly, exactly. Not only was it the perfect column, it was the perfect marketing strategy as well. So uh, it's funny, you know, a Hall of Fame career, as we said when we introduced you, but everything that you've done in your career, it seems like, has almost happened by accident, including you holding a microphone. Tell us the story of you getting into announcing. Well, I tell you what, here's what happened. I was working for the Jackson Patriot as a stringer, covering the races at Spartan Speedway and, and Butler Motor Speedway. And uh, I knew Dennis Castile very well. I knew the racing program. I knew Paul and Dorothy Zimmerman that ran the racetrack at the time. And uh, knew everything that was going on, but I had never really been behind a microphone before. So what happened was, one week I came up to the judges' stand, and I looked at Paul, and I go, he looks at me, and he's going, basically kind of give me that, well, where you been look? And I'm going, well, where's Dennis? And Paul Zimmerman, if you know the way Paul talks, I do a pretty good impression. He goes, well, Gary, Dennis said that he's going to be gone for three <laughs> weeks, and he said you'd announce. <laughs> and I'm going, well, I wish Dennis would have told me that. So it took me five times to turn the microphone on the first time, and I was shaking so bad I almost dropped it uh, on the floor. Jeez. And, you know, so... So I did the first week, got through it, but I, but I knew the drivers and I knew the fans very well, so they were kind of with me. So then the second week got a little bit better, and by the third week, I'm going, you know what, I really like this. And I ended up doing four speedways in three months. Wow. Because what happened was um, I was working at Butler. Well, uh, Larry Hartle, who was the announcer at Butler, had to be gone a week. Well, Jim Halbison, who was promoting at the time, figured, hey, I already got an announcer here. Why don't, should I get somebody else? Because I was covering the races there. Sure. So I ended up doing that. And the third week that I did Spartan, Jack Doring, who promoted Dixie and Auto City, was in the grandstand. He got a hold of Paul Zimmerman. And he goes, hey, I don't have anybody to do my Dixie Classic. So bang. I go up and do the Dixie Classic. Then I did our show at Auto City. So that's, you know. I mean, a lot of guys, one speedway, I did four in three months. You know, it's just uh, amazing. Uh, coming from somebody like me who's, who's really only been holding a microphone uh, five, six years now, and I, I obviously grew up at Butler and, you know, raced there, but only held a microphone there for about three years before I started traveling. Um, you know, and I think that we have a lot of potential announcers and we have some current announcers that listen to this show. Uh, Gary, what are some tips that you would give, uh, you know, for somebody to be good? Obviously, your Hall of Fame status, but what makes a good announcer in your eyes? Well, Rich will tell you this, what I told him point blank the first time. I said, do your homework. Rich had an advantage because he knew most of the people in the pit area. But some of the guys just coming up, they don't know the guys in the pit area. So the first thing you do is you go down there, you get to the racetrack four or five hours at a time. Even when that pit gate opens and you introduce yourself and you go down to time. I'm not just talking about the drivers. I'm talking about crew members. I'm talking about sponsors of the cars. I'm talking about everybody. And you'll find even to this day, Rich and I are in that pit area all the time. And that's basically the number one thing. And secondly, get in front of the crowd, connect with the crowd. There's a lot of times I went to racetracks where I announced for the first time, and it was the old it was the old style where they kind of just sat 
down, and I used to ask people because they always took, there was a lot of people in the stands that always took qualifying time. So I'd sit by those people that had programs They were just sitting there watching practice, and i go, what works for you? And I'd sit there, and they'd look at me and go, who are you? I'm going, well, I'm your announcer for tonight. Mm -hmm. I said, but what works for you the best thing to get a qualifying time? So you talk to the crowd, too. Now, Gary, uh, i got I got to say something. You know, this is uh, I, I have I don't have the opportunity to do this very often because usually when we're together, we're not talking about race and we're busy doing something else. Um, but, yes, you know, Zachary, yeah, exactly. Uh, but really, if it wasn't for Gary and, you know, Gary feeling comfortable with bringing some old guy that decided he was going to quit racing uh, <laughs> up, up into the booth uh, to work with him. You know, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do a lot of things I've done, you know, with Zach as well, mm -hmm. you know, and and with Motor City Racing Promotions. And uh, uh, that was pretty cool, Gary, of you doing that. You didn't have to do that. Well, the one thing is, Rich, you got to remember, we were friends for 20 plus years. And, you know, and I, I looked at it from a standpoint of, hey, I got somebody that can run up and down the stairs now. I don't have to go down and front <laughs> off the <laughs> so, so I can save 51 my year, 51 year old young buck can run up and down the stairs. I like that. Exactly. You know, so, no, no, to be very honest, though, they asked me, though, that, you know, you want to work with somebody. And I think that was one of the things, one of the trends that actually is going on, you know, in racing and short track racing. Usually there's teams, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I feel Rich and I are uh, one of the better teams out there. You know, you look at your social media, Gary, and there's uh, no lack of uh, stories to be told. And, uh, you know, I was doing a little what they call Facebook stalking on you earlier today. There's a picture of you with perhaps one of the greatest voices of all time at a uh, Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame banquet, and that was Ken Squire. Uh, did you get to spend a lot of time with him and talk with him a little bit? And, and if, if so, or even if not, you got a chance to meet him. Uh, what was that like for you? Well, I tell you what it was like, and it and it threw me so far back. I was shocked because you know Ken Squire was you know that Thunder Road guy, and he was still a short track announcer too. So I went up and I went, "Oh man, Ken!" I said, "Great to meet you." I am, and he goes, "I know who you are. You're Gary Lindahl." Oh man! And I just blew me away. I mean, just blew me away. So even guys like that, you know, they kind of know what's going on in the world, you know, because he came from the short track world. But what a gracious man, him. And we had Bob Jenkins there. Bob Jenkins is another guy that's, uh, you know, one of those people that uh, absolutely is great, too. But but my my best thing I ever did when I won the Tom Carnegie Award, I got to go with uh, Tom Carnegie. I was at the Yard of Bricks five minutes before they started qualifying for the Indy 500. And I got to talk to him over the microphone at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is going wow. on all the jumbo trans and everything like that. And if you're an announcer anywhere in the world, Tom Carnegie was your guy. And that was a moment that was absolutely priceless for me. Now, uh, Gary, I'm not I'm not asking this next question because I'm looking for a job because I told you uh, I'm not doing this forever either. Um, how much longer do you want to do this? I know you don't want, I mean, most people want to quit working at some time. Uh, obviously, I know I do. Uh, how long do you want to keep announcing it and being at the racetrack every weekend? 
Well, is uh, you know, as long as the voice holds up and as long as the body holds up. You know, I got so many people in that pit area going, you're not going to quit, are you? You're not going to quit. You know, the rumor goes out there every year. Mm. Just to let you know, I really haven't put a time or a date on it. You know, but I think you know, I think you'll know, like everybody has known, they go, okay, that's enough. And that time will come. You know, it's got to. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hovering on 70 now. <laughs> and you're still doing a great job at it, too. I mean, it, it's amazing that you've been able to have – uh, the career that you've been able to have, uh, you know, uh, I envy you a little bit because you got to enjoy racing, uh, you know, really back in its heydays. Uh, you know, as Rich said, it's starting to try and work its way back in, and I think that fans are really coming back and, and having some fun. But, uh, you know, some of the things that you've seen and some of the stories that you could tell and probably will never tell over the air, uh, I can only imagine. Well, you got to stop and think about it, you know, from the uh – from the 50s and i had just seen a picture of jim cushman's 910 and that was the first car that had a wing on it a super modified and also at that time period they were experimenting with fuel injection and there was like the 660 that jack donnelly uh drove at jackson motor speedway and they were trying to figure out how to keep the keep the oil clay out of the injectors hmm. they were doing that you know, joy fair and his 719 they were you know the hill i think it was hillborn injection or more like that and, you know, and then those guys welding two rims together and stretching out a tire to 10 inches <laughs> to make a right rear figure. I mean, those are the types of yes. things that were happening in those days that, you know, I mean, it was incredible. I'm looking at a picture here on your social media, again, going back to that. And uh, I, I may or may not have had someone help me break this picture down earlier today. Um, but I understand that this looks like maybe an early 90s photo from Flat Rock of you in uh, one of the Allison's replica cars, a Miller Light, Miller High Life number 12. Oh, I remember that Miller High Life car. Knees up to your chest. What, what's going on in this picture here, Gary? Well, it was one of those things where I was, uh, well, back in the day, I was pretty buff. You know, I'm not like as big as I am now, you know. Yeah, you look good in this picture, Gary. You definitely look like somebody right. I didn't want to mess with. Yeah, you're right. I, I had that little bit of look going on. But actually, it was one of those promotions that always happens, and I was always that guy that was in front of the front of the crowd having fun. Sure. And I think it was probably a challenge where they go, yeah, right, Gary, you can really get in that car. And I'm going, well, watch me with a microphone. <laughs> and that's kind of way basically, you know, and it was a giveaway. I can't remember the promotion, but it was a giveaway, you know, with that uh, Miller High Life car. So, uh, but I... Most everything I've done there has kind of been a challenge. A challenge, but it's got to be fun, uh, you know, and, and Gary, as oh, you said. absolutely, and the crowd loves it, you know. I mean, as you said, your career has been so many crazy moments. Your career is not over, but w w is there is there a moment that you look back on and go, that's the one uh, that I'm, you know, I'm going to continue to tell people about? Is there a moment in your announcing career that you look back and go, that was an awesome night? Well, there was a... Uh Believe it or not, there was a show, and, and I'm going to tell you this, and Rich knows both of these guys, and it was a crazy thing. It was a C-Main at Flat Rock, and there was a it, it was a big crowd there. It was a beautiful night, and it was Henry Bradley and Norm Reisner. Henry Bradley drove 76. Norm Reisner, I think, drove the 111, I believe, or Rich, let me know for sure. But anyway, these two guys ran a C-Main side by side the whole race 
and I sit there and I hey, I announced it just like a horse race. And they come down to the finish, and they were side by side, and they ended up side by side. And I think somebody in the tower went, well, I think he got him by a bumper. And I went, I looked at him, I said, no, he didn't. He didn't get him at all. And I went down, got them both out of the car, had a ball. Crowd is just screaming, yelling, carrying on. And it's not the big race, right? but it was one of those moments, you know what I mean, that you never forget. It's and it was a fun moment. It's awesome when uh, a race goes well. Uh, Rich, one more thing before we wrap up. Yeah, I thought he was. I, I thought he was going to uh, mention because I, I think it went worldwide. The uh, and Gary will know this, and and Zach, I think you do too. The Don St. Dennis, Michael Simcoe incident, or was it right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Simcoe man. decides he can fly through the windshield of St. Dennis at the Glass City Two Hundred. Well, that was another one of those. But you're right. You know, I've had so many moments, but that was one of them. And it was going to be the helmet toss. I was sure he had his helmet in his hand. <laughs> and I knew it was going to be the helmet toss. He goes running up there, and all of a sudden, and the only thing I could come up with was, wow! <laughs> I mean, that's it. You know, that's what I got, you know, of that wild moment. And in, in, in Michael Simcoe's defense, in his defense, they never showed a picture of his car wadded up. And he was on the lead lap. St. Dennis was lap down. Yeah, you know, you bring up a great point because I, if I, I don't think anybody can count how many times they've seen that clip, either on TV or on YouTube. But you're right; no one ever actually sees the full thing unfold. So you have to tell and us, it, Gary, what happened in that incident. His car was junk. His car was junk. Jeez. And St. Dennis was a lap down, and Simcoe was having a good run on the lead lap in that car. They got, and he just pretty much well dumped him in turn three when that happened, you know. And mm. Simcoe's in a wide in turn four, and I, you know, to this day I look at Michael Simcoe when he's around races, and we just kind of look at each other and give each other that high sided smile. You know, <laughs> I don't dig at him anymore. I did when he first came around, but not anymore. Wow. Well, you know, Gary, it's been amazing. We could talk to you for hours about racing and about everything that's going on. Um, but you know what? For you and your family down in Florida, getting ready to come home here very soon, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a track soon. Okay. We certainly hope we can do that, especially in 2020. At least get a couple races in when everybody's safe. All right. So, well, uh, be happy to see you again, uh, Rich. We'll catch up with you somewhere north. Yeah. Be careful, Gary. We'll see you soon. Will do. Bye. All right. When we come back, we will find out. Gary, obviously, we know, is having some fun on social media passing the time. But when we come back, we're going to find out how Garrett Smithley passes the time. And it's got a lot to do with setting up races. More on that coming up. You're listening to Horsepower Happenings. This is Rich France, co-host of Horsepower Happenings. As everyone knows, we are going through a very trying time right now with COVID-19. By now, most of us know someone who's been inflicted by this terrible illness. Folks, this is not the flu. This is something none of us have seen in our lifetimes. Every day, hundreds of people lose their fight to this beast. The only way we can get through this is to fight with everything that we have. And our most powerful weapon is following the CDC guidelines on social distancing. If you don't need to be out, please stay home. When you do need to get out, please maintain six feet distancing from another person. And just as important, sanitize your hands as often as you can and please keep from touching your face. We all want this to be over and we want to get back to the track very soon, 
but right now, that really is secondary. We must protect ourselves from each other. Too many lives have been lost around this country and in our own state. And if we as a racing community band together, like we always do when one of us needs some help, we can get through this sooner than later. So be smart, be safe, and we'll all be back together enjoying what we love very soon. If you're searching for a weekly podcast that features local results, news, and insight, then your search stops with Horsepower Happenings. Every Monday night, Zach Heiser and Rich France break down the week in motorsports, from NASCAR to the world of outlaws. Then they go over what's happening in the Great Lakes region. Plus, they sit down with industry professionals, including drivers, car owners, track promoters, and more. Find a complete broadcast schedule and more information at horsepowerhappenings.com. And follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at SuspensionMax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. This is Ryan Missler, driver of the Matt Carmody-owned number 50 UMP late model, and you're listening to Horsepower Happening. Welcome back to Horsepower Happening. Zach Heiser, Rich France, along with you as we get into our second half of the evening tonight. Rich, it's time for our second guest, and uh, let us know who we're talking to this evening. Well, Zach, it's always cool to have a guest on the show that uh, that competes in the top level of our sport, and this gentleman is no exception. Uh, he currently drives the Rick Ware Racing Chevrolet uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's 27 years old out of Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Garrett Smithley, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, just to get started, uh, I know you started out running Bandoleros and Legend cars, but how the heck do you go from Bandoleros and Legends to running the Menard Series trucks, Xfinity, and now Cup? Uh, how the heck did you get there so quick? <laughs> yeah, it's um, quite a story. It was um, pretty crazy coming through the ranks. So I started at 15, which was uh, as people in racing know that that's a really late start and um just started uh racing down in georgia actually and uh did that for uh i did bandoliers for about two years and then i got to legend cars found a sponsor to help me do that and then um you know help me get to that next step and then um i actually got a job at the richard page driving experience which uh as a driving instructor which kind of helped me get from georgia to north carolina which of course, everybody knows if you want to work in NASCAR, you have to go to Charlotte, North Carolina. So um, I did that when I was 18, and through all of that, I just made connections and um, you know found some sponsors along the ways and um, did some ARCA stuff and then uh, got with Johnny Davis in the Xfinity Series and um, did that for four years, and now we're running Cup. So it's, uh, it's definitely been quick, um, you know, so to speak, but it's, um, it's been a lot of fun and um, a lot of hard work, though. It's um, it's it's been a journey for sure. Now, you know, you mentioned you know you you got into the Menard series and the and and you you had like eight truck series starts, um, working your way up through through the Xfinity series, um, and now you get to 2020. You got a you know you got a Cup ride with with Rick Ware Racing and, and a pretty good team, uh, and then everything gets shut down like it has. Uh, how's that been for you? 
Yeah, it's been um, <laughs> it's been crazy. Uh, the first couple days, few days were just like kind of a shock, kind of like, okay, well, maybe we'll be done for two weeks and we'll go back, you know, to normal. And then it p- progressed um, quite a bit to where now we're at now, and we're just we don't even know when we're going to go back. And and obviously that's affecting everybody, not just the sports world. So um, it's been pretty pretty crazy, but um, I think. NASCAR and iRacing and um, Fox has done a really good job putting these iRacing events on uh, every week on Fox and I think it's been a really good getaway for everybody not just us but for the fans for the people in the industry um, so that's that's kind of consumed a lot of my time and kind of t- taken my mind off of it and um, we're now selling real world sponsors on our iRacing cars to help us go real world racing whenever we do go back so that's um that's definitely been a plus. We're just trying to make the best of it and get through it all together. Talk to me about how you are working with uh, NASCAR and with Fox. Um, you know, we understand that, as you said, you went from twiddling your thumbs to, you know, now you're as busy as ever, if not even more busy than you were uh, in the real world. What's it been like and what has it taken to get these iRacing events on the national platform like it is? Yeah, those those guys have done such a good job, particularly the people at iRacing just coordinated everything. There's about six or seven guys behind the scenes in iRacing to put these these events together. And then obviously all the work that it takes from Fox to put these broadcasts on and, and, and NASCAR to kind of coordinate everything. So it's kind of been a coordinated effort since the beginning. And, and the, you know, all the drivers have been really good about, um, you know, kind of giving up their time to do this stuff and it's um it's it's definitely been uh different for sure on on my side uh obviously we're uh we're having a lot of success doing this i won the pole for the first event and finished fifth led some laps there um finished third the second event and um got up to third here in this this uh, last event at bristol but um ended up finishing ninth which was still an okay day um, it's, it's kind of, kind of good to, to be disappointed about a ninth place finish. <laughs> so for me, um, it's, it's been a, a huge opportunity to kind of get out there, do some more media, kind of grow my brand. Mm. And then on the sponsorship side, Rickware Racing has kind of taken the helm and, um, they sold gunbroker.com and we had uh, Michigan based company, uh, victory lane quick oil change, which is my biggest supporter. Um, they, they were on board for the Texas race riding third. Um, when we do go back real racing, hopefully we'll be up there in uh, in uh, June or August in, uh, at Michigan International Speedway. The real one will have Victory Lane on our car. Um, really, really excited about that. Michigan's one of my favorite tracks. But, um, yeah, like I said, just making the best of it and, um, you know, just kind of getting through it. And it's definitely, definitely busy. So it's, a, it's definitely a good thing. And you led me right into my next question. Uh, you know, I was going to say you've done pretty well. You had two top fives at, at Homestead in Texas on the virtual side. Uh, I was watching yesterday, and uh, I think it was 30 laps to go. You got her up to third, and I said, man, he's got a shot. And then something happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just had a little bit of an incident. Um, Bristol's tight tight quarters racing, and we uh, we hit Busher a little bit, and John Hunter came up into us. We hit the wall a little bit, and just one of those things. Um, but we rallied back to ninth, but... Yeah, we've we've been in the conversation at uh, at all three of these events, and I'm hoping that we can continue that. Um, we I don't know yet if we're going to race on uh, on Easter right now. We don't have anything on the schedule, but we potentially could do a special event. 
Um, so stay tuned for that. Could be uh, you know same time, same place on Fox. But um, yeah, just um, just like I said, making the best of it, and um, it's it's cool to be in the in the conversation to win these races for sure. Now you mentioned uh, you're running with Bush at Bristol, and uh, I'm I am only asking because I have to. Um, let's t- let's go back to last year. How is your relationship with uh, with uh, the Bush brothers, if you will, specifically Kyle? Uh, for those who don't remember, uh, your name got thrust into the spotlight for sort of an unfortunate incident that happened at Las Vegas. One that was very polarizing. It was either Smithley's fault or Bush's fault or nobody's fault. First off, talk to me about that incident. Uh, back in 2019 in Las Vegas, uh, just trying to to finish a race in that 52 car. Yeah, it was um, it was just one of those deals, you know. Um, Rickware Racing is a smaller team, and um, we obviously don't have the budget that uh, that the Gibbs guys do or the Hendrick guys or any of those any of those teams. So um, we're out there just trying to trying to log laps, just finishing, um, doing everything that we can to get get a finish as far as sponsors. So um, we were just kind of riding around and. Um, and unfortunately, I uh, had a little bit of an incident. Bush ran into the back of us, and um, and it's just it it is what it is. Um, hated that it happened, but uh, we got through it. Um, I think for the most part, it was pretty positive on my side. But um, we moved on from it. Um, race car drivers do have have long uh, long long memories, but uh, sometimes we have to have short memories, and I think that's one of those situations where. We just moved on from it, and that was it. So you got to let those um, we, things go, right? You can't let them eat it, at you. <laughs> exactly. There's there's really no point to it. And you know, he he went on, um, you know, for him and, and won a championship, which was great to see for him. And um, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Um, once you get to that next race, everything past that is kind of thrown out. So um, so we we got through it. We uh, we haven't had any issues since then, and we continue to race hard on iRacing and. I'll tell you what, he's uh, he's improved quite a bit. He's um, definitely starting to be a threat to win these 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 races, and I think it, it speaks to his real real talent for sure. And I and I was going to ask you about that on the iRacing side, boy. It's got to be fun. Um, you look pretty. You look like you're not missing a beat out there. You look awfully comfortable, and it's got to be fun beating these guys um, because some of them really don't have a have a clue. Clint Boyer. <laughs> Clint's having some fun though, man. I think he wins the most fun award every week. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, that's a lot of a sore spot because he kind of hurt us in the uh, in one of the heat races that we had. So um, I won't I won't really go there. But uh, no, I I think it's again it's it's something that we're all competitors, right? Like mm-hmm. that's in our DNA. We want to we want to be the best, but at the same time, we are out here having fun doing this for the fans just kind of getting through this whole situation. So I, I don't want that to be lost, that, yes, it is a competition. It is nice to go out there and compete and, and run really well. Um, it does translate. You know, Denny Hamlin, who won the first event, he talks about having the same throttle inputs, having the same steering inputs that you would on the real track. Um, Kyle Busch is super good at Bristol in real life, and I think that's why he did so well at Bristol. That's one of those tracks on iRacing that if you do well in real life, you're going to – succeed at that track um but at the same time we're out there having fun and i think um i think that's number one right now i haven't missed uh, an i racing event since you guys started doing this and um i'm starting to think that there there may be some fences that need to be mended before you guys get your real race cars back 
<laughs> uh, it's possible. I know uh, Suarez has had kind of a, a, a tough deal these <laughs> oh, last couple weeks. Um, gotten kicked out of both events, so unfortunate for him. Um, I actually, I, I know it didn't make TV, but I actually got into Junior a little bit, kind of messed up his day. Um, he kind of got a little bit mad. We're all good now. We kind of tweeted back and forth about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something where um, we're, we're spending a lot of time on here. And, I mean, you saw somebody like Bubba get really upset at Clint for getting wrecked, and um, he kind of quit out of there and um, had some real-world implications. So, um, again, I think at the end of the day, we just all need to, need to make sure that this is, this is fun first and then competition second. I want to talk to you about some real-world competition stuff um, because I think right now uh, NASCAR and the Cup Series specifically is in the spotlight, and every move that the organization makes is is under scrutiny. And I think one of the things right now that your old-fashioned fans will call them is uh, complaining about is that the cars are what they want to call cookie cutter. Um, but somebody like you with, with Rick Ware Racing, uh, you know, who they tout as being the biggest small team around in motorsports, um, it, it is not necessarily that way for you and your team. You guys really have to work and grind and uh, do everything you can to get every ounce of speed out of those cars that you can each and every week. Yeah, yeah, and not a lot of people realize that. Um, we're grinding not only on the track but off the track, just trying to bring as much sponsorship as we can to, to just try to survive. Um, Rick Ware just got on SiriusXM today and uh, talked about how they're they're losing six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars through all this all this craziness. Mm-hmm. And you know that's nobody's fault. It's just part of what this situation is and some of the implications that people don't even realize. Um, so for us. We, you know, we try to do the best we can. We're, um, we're out here just trying to, you know, a, a finish is, is number one goal, just to keep the car clean and keep it in one piece. And then, obviously, we want to improve our, our program where there's, you know, three or four teams that are all in the same kind of uh, money deal, and we want to beat those guys. We want to be the, the, the best of those guys. So um, we're, we're always fighting really, really hard on the track to try to get our cars as fast as we can. And a lot of times we're racing harder back there than the leaders are. So um, it's definitely a story that doesn't get told. But, um, again, you know, we, we understand our place and we, we do the best we can with it. And we still have a lot of fun doing it. Our, all of our guys are really passionate. And I'll tell you what, once this, uh, this next-gen car comes out, I know it just got delayed. But I think, um, think there's going to be a, a, a big shakeup. And I think Rick Ware is, uh, is prepared for it for sure. Talk to me about watching the success of guys who have been in your shoes. And what I mean by that is very appreciative of where you are at in the sport right now, obviously. Um, But you look at guys like Alex Bowman and Matt DiBenedetto are the two stories that come to mind right off the bat. Spent time with lower budget teams, cut their teeth in the Cup Series, and are now uh, doing very well and competing at the high level. Um, what do you think about their story, and is that something that you hope to be able to accomplish over the next five to ten years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, guys like that, you know, um, those are those are two perfect examples. Ross Chastain's another one. Ryan Priest, you know, all these guys that have spent time in in teams that were, you know, kind of inferior equipment. Um, it's it's one of those situations where it's like this is kind of what we're fighting for, and people know Alex Bowman now is the driver of the 88 car. People know Matt is somebody who 
you know, took a car last year that, you know, just about won a couple of races. Now he's with a premier team with Wood Brothers and Penske. Um, people don't really remember that they spent so much time doing start and parks, doing, mm-hmm. you know, running, running in, in backmarker teams. And it's, it's how you get to that next level. Those guys wouldn't be able to be where they're at and do what they're doing now without that experience. Ross Chastain doesn't go to Vegas and win in a Ganassi car if he doesn't have those years of experience at, at JD Motorsports. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's impossible, but it's very, very unlikely. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that, um, that, that I look towards. I think it's, um, you know, you see a lot of guys retiring now and and hopefully you know for me i just want to stick around for long enough to where one of those big top rides open up um and you know that'd be best case scenario but um like i said right now i'm uh, just focused on making our rick Ware racing team the best that we can and um hey it's not out of the own possibility that that rick can get through this deal and we can continue growing he's come a long way from where he started and you know hey who knows he he could you know land a big sponsor and we could build some of these gen, you know, next gen cars and, and be one of those teams. So that's that's a possibility too. Well, Garrett, it's been a you know, it's been really fun to see you, you know, a driver out of Pennsylvania, um, be able to to do this journey and make it work. Uh, you know, hey, you get to you get to drive race cars for a living. I would be okay with that. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a lot of hard work, but um, definitely would not want to be doing anything else and. Um, you know, always, uh, you know, don't take anything for granted. And, and, uh, the, the biggest thing that I kind of take away from it is, um, the fact that, um, you know, you we're, we're out here having fun. It's a lot of hard work, but, um, but I'm enjoying every second of it. Well, Garrett, we appreciate you taking time out of uh, your very busy schedule now uh, with everything. It's funny to say that with everything that's going on, but <laughs> I know we, we appreciate you making some time for us tonight, and uh, good luck with the virtual uh, season and the uh, Pro Invitational, and then you know we all are very hopeful to get back on track this year, so good luck with uh, 2020 as well once that happens again. Yep, I appreciate it, and uh, everybody out there listening, stay healthy, stay indoors. We'll all get through this. Well, again, we appreciate Garrett being on the show as well as Gary Lindahl. Uh, really a great show tonight. Uh, appreciate you joining us. And, uh, Rich, at this point and from here on out, uh, the question is going to be what's next? And, and really that has a lot more to do with uh, the world than it does about the next event. Yeah, really, really right now it's about being safe. We, we really can't promote anything right. coming up. Um, you know, maybe by the end of April we may have a little better idea of, of what's happening. But, um, you know, it's just a shame from, from everything that we're hearing. This could be a very, very bad week or two yep. uh, across this country. And I just pray it's not because um, we really don't need any more of this right now. So, uh, you know, as you heard our recommendation to you, we know it's tough. It's tough on all of us. Um, you know, I work in the media industry, so um, I am an essential employee. I have to go out, but I tell you, it's to work. And it's to home, it's to the grocery store, it's to home. Um, just, you know, follow the recommendations, do what you can to uh, stay with your family, uh, sanitize, as we've said, social distancing. It's hard when you start, but once you do it for a little bit, that social distancing, that six-foot thing, it's not that bad. So, uh, you know, as, as we all work together on this and, and get through it, um, you know, the quicker we can do it, the quicker we can fire the engines and, and get back to life as we knew it. Yeah, man, I've, and I've I've found a way to do it, Zach. Really, over the past three weeks, uh, you know, I've had to go to my real job in the office, but we're pretty separated. We're 
out of 100 people, we have 12 people working in the office. So we're pretty separated up. And, uh, you know, I, I I didn't think staying home was going to, I thought it was going to be harder than what it is. Yeah. Uh, I've been out and gone to drive throughs and stuff like that, but uh, really it's not that hard. I go outside and get some air. I'll take a drive down the street. But uh, I'm surely not going into any highly populated areas. And, and, and some of the bigger stores uh, are like that. I just, I don't think it's uh, worth the risk you know, for me to do that, you know, you you have to do what you got to do, but um, just be smart about it. Well, the idea is to be safe, stay healthy. Uh, you know, as as the governor said, um, you know, stay home, stay safe, and uh, that's what we want to do. And, and we'll get through this, and we'll get to a racetrack soon. So, uh, for Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. We will talk next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings on the Motor City Racing Network. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.